Hello and welcome to the Lifefulness Podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to helping you live your life as fully as possible. And we do that through lifefulness. It's a whole big new word, a whole new word. And lifefulness is quite simple, really, I think. Uh, and it is. it just goes and looks at spiritual communities and congregations and says, oh, can we adapt the things that they do? in a way that everyone can take part. And so that often means that we're speaking to people who are sort of doing the jobs of vicars, but in a new context. And that is the person we're interviewing today. Her name is Rosie Sherry, and she is this phenomenal online community builder. She talks about how she built uh, her first online community into a business which was turning over uh, over a million dollars. She then got hired by a site called Indie Hackers and then went and sort of turned that into a huge community. And now she's been hired by a company that sells software to community builders. And so that's how respected she is in the profession. And well, another way of looking at it is she's sort of being a secular vicar. She's a community builder. And so it is a fascinating insight into what people get from community, what healthy communities look like, what unhealthy communities look like, and particularly how community is being infected uh, or rather invested in by these companies from Silicon Valley and how that's changing things. So I really hope you like this interview. I love doing it. Here's Rosie Sherry. So, Rosie, how are you? And welcome to the Lifefulness Podcast. How's your day been? Uh, good, busy, as always, but, you know, all good. Thank you very much for making time. Can you tell people what you do? I'll have already given you a glowing, like, so like hagiographic level of description in the intro. So p- people will think that you are, this sort of intro I normally give, which makes everyone sound as though uh, I'm terrified of them and I'm just trying to butter them up. What do you do? What does your day look like? Yeah, um, what do I do? I, I guess the simplest way of saying it is I build communities. Um, I've been building them for about 15 years. Uh, first kind of um, bootstrapping Ministry of Testing, which was uh, or is a community for software testers. And um, yeah, I, I kind of turned that from nothing into a sustainable business, which is kind of cool. Um, and I worked on that for 10 years before leading the community over Indie Hackers. And now I'm working at a company called Orbit, and they build software for communities. Um, and I'm leading the community efforts and um, focusing quite a bit on education of communities as well. I mean, so it's a company which is designed to make communities and they've got you in. So it's surely like some like that's like a Russian doll level of acceptance. You know, <laughs> if you if the people who build communities, online communities, want someone to build online communities, who do they pick up the phone to? It's old uh, Rosie Sherrybum. Uh, I have a friend <laughs> called uh, Sheridan, and that's what I call him. So I uh, hope you don't mind. I've just given you that nickname at the same time. That's all right. Um, I, ho- I hope it doesn't catch on. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the first question we said, we're all like, you are essentially in many ways doing what we would look at as sort of modern day chaplaincy, modern day, you've got to touch the modern day vicaring, modern day pastoral care. Cause whenever you get communities together, you know, that's there's, it's the most human profession there is. And we're going to dive into that, like what people get from community, what gets them to hang around, what the needs are. Uh, but the first question we uh, ask people as of last podcast, because this is the lifefulness podcast. And it's all about, you know, what would, you know, what would happen if you treat your life as miraculous or if you go and find the sacred in it? So, yeah, what is it in life that you think is just simply wonderful? I, f- I feel so grateful for everything that we have, Sp- especially, um, I guess, like modern uh, first world country. Um, it's kind of amazing, like the life we lead and uh, I guess that if you compare it to other parts of the world, you know, not everyone. I'm, you know, I, I feel very conscious that not everyone is as lucky as as me. Um, I've lived in other countries as well, and I ultimately came back to the UK where, where I was born. Um, but you know, I think m- maybe maybe that's 
part of it that you know I I've seen different ways of living but I guess overall just like I just I just feel so lucky to be able to do something like community building like we're growing up growing up I just like didn't know what I wanted to do and like I, I feel uh thankful that I've I've managed to find something that like I truly love doing and like I'm diving like deep deep into it and and like opportunities like keep coming my way um and I'm just like so into it so it's just like I think that for me has like really brought me to life especially in the past couple of years um and that's you know I think about that as being pretty amazing when when I guess like you can pair like my parents or the previous generation that they you know it's it's a completely different world that we live in now I feel um well, at least that I live in um <laughs> uh, and yeah I'm just uh thankful that I, I get to do the stuff that I get to do um and I guess I, if I take it into my personal life as well it's like I'm not like your I guess everyday person uh like we ditched we've ditched a lot of the I guess what you call the normal what's the right word um the normal way of living so we've ditched school I've been working for myself for like 10 15 years and it's only and by recently, the way I think it's worth because I follow you on uh yeah. Twitter so I know that by ditch school you mean you you're homeschooling your kids as well yeah, more like unschooling. We call it unschooling. Um, okay. So we've ditched the curriculum. Um, we've ditched uh, normal living, day, you know, work life. It's like we've defined our own work life for, for many years. Uh, we've got five kids. Um, oh, between, amazing. Yeah, age between three and 17 at the moment. Um, and yeah, I guess there's something in me that's like, I'm, I'm so thankful that we can live this life. It's it's definitely not easy, like going against the grain and like um, basically like we're responsible for everything we do. Like we can trace things back to us and blame ourselves if things don't go right. Um, rather than like if if we sent our kids to school, then we could like partly blame the school or something. Went yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah, yeah. By um, the way, that's super like because people don't like – taking risks on their children it's why the reason like that, that, that people end up going to private sending their kids to private school because they're like i know i should do this but i don't want to or they you know don't want to go and make everyone wear yellow trousers on tuesday or whatever the latest book uh says you should do because then so, that risk that someone's going to look at them so like how do you how do you cope with that oh it's it's tough it's tough when um like like every every year you see like uh, like GCSE and A level results and like parents celebrating um, the successes of their kids or like back to school photos and all of those things or you know just celebrating like the the daily wins or you know how well they've done on something or if they're going off to uni that kind of stuff and every time that happens you're like I, I kind of like switch off <laughs> switch off from it because it's like you start questioning yourself and you start thinking, oh, maybe, oh, they look, they look really happy. They look like they're doing well. Maybe we yeah. should send our kids to school. And <laughs> maybe whenever you see a movie about like a high school or like, or, <laughs> or, you know, just any school, yeah. like, you know, when you go and watch a film about uh, university in the U S you're like, oh, I wish I went to university in the U S and on some quad. It must be, but that's all of education. Yeah. And there's reminders everywhere constantly. And, 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 and you question yourself. You wonder, it's like, oh, you know, they're missing out on stuff. And and they are. Um, but I guess it's like weigh, weighing up those options, whether we believe that's that's okay. Um, but, you know, at the same time, uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they live a great life, you know. They, they get freedom. They get choice. They, we listen to them. It's not like they sit around not doing anything. Um, they go to forest school, they go to beach school, they they do uh, football on a regular basis. Um, and we're just like always look at, looking for things for them to do that keep them happy and engaged. They they have options to say yes and to say no. And if they say no, it's, you know, we don't force them to do anything. Um, but we encourage them constantly. And that's hard. You know, it's like cus- custom making their curriculum constantly and it's like constantly evolving um but we believe 
we believe it's the right thing for, for us and for, for our kids. Oh, wow. That is amazing. I think I've just realized that uh, what could happen after uh, asking people this question is because I think one of the, when doing this work, I often feel that around lifefulness, I often feel that people are already doing a lot of it of like, if I don't know if you're religious uh, at all. So I don't, yeah. Is that when I'll go and talk about the work that I do, particularly with people who've been really intentional about their lives, they'll sometimes be like, oh, that's what I'm doing. That people, so many people have gone and evolved their own secular spirituality, you know, and we can go and talk about whether that word applies, but, you know, being like making huge sacrifice in order to do the thing that you want, deciding that your the values that you've got are so important and the 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 education of your children will not be met if they go to the conventional ways. And, you know, it's the same thing actually that a lot of religious people do, right? That you've become a online vicar to a certain extent, like really caring for people and creating these spaces and, you know, choosing to live your life, not in the way uh, of the world, but in the way of your own values. And uh, it's, yeah, I think it's really wonderful to uh, go and, hear that and it's really inspiring for other people to go and make those choices because you you'll have seen it it's so easy to go and just join the ladder and to go and put the next step forward which is the step forward that society wants you to yeah the next question we ask is like is there something that you look at from the world of religion it could be a small thing or a big thing that you think the world could have more of nowadays what does religion do well that we should do better probably community right yeah, I mean, it's like, um, yeah, I'm not religious at, at all. Um, I kind of grew up like my grandparents being very Catholic, and actually, my my parents converted to Muslim. So we, I kind of had had like both both of that in my life at various points. So, um, and you know, um, e- even after like my parents converted to Muslim, I'm like my mum would still love going to church and stuff like that. So she was, you know, very kind of spiritual and religious. But yeah, I guess like in today's world, when when more and more people are, are not religious at all, um, I am so like not religious. Um, mm. And <laughs> Says like, the person who's doing all the things that a really religious person would do. I know, right? <laughs> but I, I think like rel- religions do community well. And mm. I haven't like done like intentional study around it but the idea that people can connect with each other based on the same beliefs and you know uh, you know talk the same language and um do the same kind of things and you know read the same kind of books or you know get you know all, all of those things and i just think it's it's amazing like and and if you look you know like churches around the world for example is that you know the fact that if you're I guess one religion you could show up in almost any country and go somewhere that you identify with and find people that, uh, you know, to some extent similar to you. That's 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 amazing. Was like, if I could build a community like that, is like, yes, please. <laughs> but it's like, um, yeah. So it's like, and and I think like that's a big thing that we've we've lost, not just because of religion, but I just think. The world today, we've lost a lot of community um, for all sorts of reasons. Um, I'd love to be able to find a way to re- recreate some of that, help people reconnect in, in some kind of way. I think especially now, these days, kind of reconnecting in in a local kind of way. I think we're very global um, and we've kind of forgotten the local aspect of getting together. Like you don't, you know, it's, it's hard to get to know your people who live close to you. And I'd love to bring that back, but is it possible? I, I I don't know. I don't you know. I don't even know know if I can spend any of my personal energy on it. But it's certainly th- things like that I think about. Is like the next community I build, I'd really want it to be a local community. Well, I mean, that is the sort of exactly the thing that I'm um, sort of thinking about of the best way to do that. And having done it at Sunday Assembly with. You know, trying one way, one, we just have started and then went viral and we were just making it up as we went along. Uh, But starting, there's a real tricky thing when starting from the gathering that, in fact, like 
starting an in-person congregation is a huge undertaking. You know, in in sort of modern day terms, that's like a holistic well-being center slash arts emporium slash therapy spot slash volunteer. Like if you go and think of all the different things that people want to do, we want to look after the homeless. We want to visit old ladies. We want to do a fete. We want to do a party. Can the vicar please be hilarious, caring, organized, dynamic, speak to old ladies, be great with kids. You're like, what on earth is this place? It is such a huge ask. And yet at the same time, that uh, need to go and like actually have people near you is so hard. I uh, During the COVID, we moved to a different part of London and here I am, Mr. Community. And it's really only now that I am start to sit down next to people in cafes. And I've spoken about this on the podcast before that as a bloke, and there's different things if you're a woman doing it and if you're a guy doing it, but like as a, a woman asking a man, there's, you know, some of those sorts of worries of like, am I coming across as creepy or whatever it might be? And then as a guy asking a guy, it's slightly mortifying. But anyway, I got Vince's number when I went for coffee today. So maybe I'll get to know that industrial designer. Yeah. In-person community is something which is really hard to do. But luckily, uh, we're talking about online community. So it'd be great to maybe start off just with like your journey into becoming an online community. What would you call yourself? Community builder? Manager? Uh, builder. I don't like really like the term manager. So builder. I build. I create stuff. Um, I'm pretty hands-on. I like being hands-on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like I discover community... Uh, I guess around 2005, 2006, through the form of doing meetups uh, locally in Brighton, where, where I live. Um, and that got me onto Seth Godin. And I kind of went down the big rabbit hole. And he's quite into communities, um, community stroke marketing. And I think that's that's where I kind of live. I love marketing as well. And um, so, so yeah, and that, that kind of like opened my eyes to see that, well, it's possible to create community. Um, I never thought of it as a career at that point. Um, but around that time, I was a software tester um, as as like my day job career. So uh, my, my excuse was basically, how can I, uh, I, w- I, w- I wanted an excuse to build community. So I, I built a community for software testers because <laughs> I, I, I thought there was a need for that. Um, and that evolved into Ministry of Testing, which I worked on for for ten years. And that I, I bootstrapped that, um, totally like self funded. And uh, at its peak, it was like uh, turning over like one and a half million dollars a year um, pre COVID. Wow! Uh, uh, and then I know that you had a lot of events happening, and then yeah, yeah, and but. Then. And then COVID, exactly. But uh, we made a slight loss. Um, but be, being me, uh, we had money in the bank saved. I, I, I never like took more than I needed. I, I uh, probably underpaid myself. Um, oh, you're but, so churchy. <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> so I had this money in the bank and I didn't know what to do with it. But um, as it turned, I actually got business advice at one point. Um, we had like six or eight month, months uh, runway in the bank. Um, and um, or maybe it was like a year's worth. I can't remember. I, we, we, yeah, I was speaking to like a business advisor at one point and she was, she was basically saying, saying that I don't need that money in the bank, that it should be more like three months and that I should look to maybe use that money, reinvest it into the business. And I was just like, no, nope, sorry. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me. It gives me a huge sense of comfort that I've got this runway. Um, should anything happen, uh, it, it, it helps me make this make decisions that I want to make rather than making decisions for the money because I need the money. So it's like I knew like I could turn down opportunities because it if it didn't align with 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 my vision or the way I want to do things. Um, and just for me, it's like doing something for the money. I, I believe kind of ends ends up leading in the wrong direction. Um, and I had yeah, in previous years we had also like you know not been in great financial positions. So I was like, it feels great not to have money worries. Um, so 
So, yeah, but I, I mean, that whole experience of building up ministry of testing, um, we, even though like most of the revenue came from events, probably like 70% of the revenue came from events, over the years we had started building a platform and uh, building uh, like a paid membership model around it with, with content from the events and, and like other content. So whilst it, it, it at the time of COVID, whilst it, hadn't like gained enough traction by that point at least like the, the foundational aspects of it were there so when COVID did happen um, the team was able to kind of shift gears fairly uh, quickly um, and to their credit it's like nothing nothing to do with me because I stepped back at, by that point I felt really bad but um, <laughs> when did you step away I stepped away about like, like two and a half years ago Okay, not quite on, not quite February 2020, but uh, yeah. certainly long enough that you didn't feel the need to step back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't. I had another like yeah. job at the yeah. time, and but yeah, I mean, to their credit, uh, they're not as profitable, but they didn't sack anyone. They, they've, you know, um, they're not making a loss <laughs> at the moment. So, you know, you got to look at the positives. Uh, they've managed to you know, keep making money and shift to being online and doing online events, online content, online, online everything. Um, so, yeah, and, and like the events that we did do, like before COVID, like we, we did like in our, in our busiest year, we did like nine conferences in nine different cities in the world. Yeah. That is amazing when you just think like if you <laughs> asked people like what a software tester does, which I've got a limited understanding of, but most people would imagine that it's just someone like playing games or whatever it is. They wouldn't know that, in fact, there's so many people that like one company can, can provide nine uh, separate conferences for them every single year. One thing which really interests me is that whenever you get into doing community, you it's interesting when you said, well, I realized that testing would be a good way to do it. Like, what would you say the real needs are that people are having met in community? Come for the testing, stay for the... Stay for the people, stay for mm. the conversation, stay for the knowledge. I think with communities of practice, like, that's what I kind of call ministry of testing. You know, a lot of it is based around knowledge and, and advancing. Um, maybe it's staying for the journey, because, like, when it when it's like a professional career path type thing people are continually growing as you know in their career and they might not always stay in that career which is obviously fine um no they must remain <laughs> testers forever <laughs> what's the problem once you join the ministry of testing it is it's like the mafia there's you're out in a box or nothing else it's really great for retention yeah so it's like it's like i guess like when people think of community, I think often they, they don't think about the people and the journey that they need to go on, right? Mm. So um, they need to, they need to, people generally like have this place that they want to get to. The, they have a dream, they have goals, they want to, I guess, become a test manager or maybe a test director at some point. Yeah. Um, so it's like there's this journey that they need to go through, right? So it's like Ministry of Testing is there for them to help them get through that journey. That's the way I kind of see it. So, um, and I guess like when you're building community, those that should be at the forefront of your mind is like, mm. how can you help these people get to where they want to get? And it, it's not like, how can you get them to kind of engage the most? That's got like mm. nothing to do with it, to be honest. Um, obviously like engaging helps um, sometimes, but I think quite often like engaging is pointless um, mm. it doesn't have have the right reasons behind it it doesn't bring value and I, th I think partly like with, with me getting older as well it's like I don't want to do anything that wastes anyone, anyone's time I just mm. want to be valuable as much as possible um, so it's like at the forefront of my mind with everything I do is like I, I want to bring value to people I want to help people get from A to B or A to Z mm. um, and I, I don't want to use cheap, unuseful, unhelpful tactics to, to do that. So that seems like it is uh, getting to something which there, this might be 
you know, something which applies for people who are building a community, but like everyone, I think so many people's jobs are slightly involved in this. Like what are some myths people you think there are around building a online community? Engagement at all costs seems to be something that you're not into. What other things are there which... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think one of the biggest ones is just like this idea that communities will run themselves. Is that people think that, <laughs> oh, just get it started and, and it will run itself and it will be oh fine. Oh, my and, God. Or you'll just need to, like, you know, maintain it a little bit. And uh, that, to me, is not a community. It's like, you know, it's, it's not the right mindset. It's just, like, wrong. It's completely wrong to, um, you know, if you want to go into community, you shouldn't have that mindset. And I think the best community builders are seeking change and have, you know, want to stick around and um, are motivated to, I think, go deep rather than wide. And I think there's there's a lot of communities that don't go deep. It's all very superficial. Uh, the content is written by marketeers rather than the people that actually care about uh, the actual community. Um, and it's not just for communities, it's the internet in general. It's just like mm. lots of people going wide and not deep. Um, and and you can see that by how crappy content there is out on the internet. Mm. Well, thank uh, you very much. You've listened to the podcast. <laughs> uh, and I suppose that there's this, you know, you're, you're talking about sort of going deep. Like, like what is it that is that sort of, like what do, what do you mean by that? Do you mean in relationships, in terms of the content? Like what are the things which people need to do in order to get that depth in a community? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I think I think you know building relationships is key, um, and I, I guess it's roughly speaking a, a balance between relationships and, and content. Even though like saying content, it sounds kind of uh, I'm not sure that's quite the right word um mm. but like if i think of like ministry of testing everything i had in the back of my mind is like yes we, we created content we we created events we had talks we had you know we um all, all those things um but everything that we created we tried to make sure that it was uh kind of aligned with our vision of like changing the testing industry is like, is this helpful? Is this helping us edge towards something different? Um, how is this different from what's in the past? Um, and stuff like that. And I think it's really important to kind of th- think like that. It's like think about like w- why why are you doing something? Um, mm. How how is this going to help change the world? Um, and yeah, and I guess like if we think of it like from the relationship aspect as well, it's just like um you know these days like communities like so many people are like you know trying to especially now like since covid like community has like really kind of become become a buzz a buzz you know massively buzzword um like um 18 months ago like there was no talk about community like there is now oh my gosh there wasn't it's just like um, in our section of tech twitter uh, where we know we've got overlapping interests I mean, everyone is talking about community and you, and there's a big part of me, which particularly coming from Sunday assembly, which is like in person, people get married, people get tattoos, people are like really deeply involved in their lives. You're like, you, you guys don't want a community. You want someone to go and click on your content uh, twice a day and go and buy your shoe or whatever else it might be, you know, and make sure that when you release your next coin, uh, there's enough demand for it. It's, uh, drives me nuts seeing it but yeah uh, yeah, it yeah. Is. yeah and there's just like in te- i guess the tech startup world there's so much money flying around at the moment um since covid and i've never you know uh seen so much of that in my life um it comes with its benefits i think obviously so i now work for a startup which is you know and i'm enjoying it um so it's like you know I'm I'm not I'm not one to complain, but um, I think I think there's also like I'm very conscious of the work that I am doing, and I'm I'm very open about the fact that um, and I write about this, and I was like, you know, we got to be careful with what we're calling community. Uh, we got to be careful with the uh, software we're creating and how we're building it. Um, 
but like at the same time, I think I think there's some really interesting tech coming out that that will be good for building communities and will be good for building relationships. And I think some of the tools are starting to kind of uh, rethink what a good community tool or it doesn't even have to be a community tool it's just like it has to be a tool that connects people and helps people have kind of conversations um and i think with the money that's that's kind of flying around we'll see a lot of creativity happen and new tools come out um and new approaches to thinking about like how to how to like bring people together um and orbit where i work is like one of them but there's, there's also like other ones like um, I, quite, I quite like Luma at the moment. And they started as a, I was doing a little bit of digging around on them, but they started as a Zoom uh, uh, overlayer, kind of like making it easy to register for Zoom events. And then they kind of transitioned to just events in general with a Zoom focus, like a Zoom like integration. And then the more they progressed, and then I believe they raised money as well, but um, then they started doing, like, newsletters, and then they started doing, like, community features and um, kind of um, having a location as part of the community features so, like, uh, you can see where people are located in the world um, within the community. And it, it might not seem like much of a thing, but it's it's kind of, like, almost flipped how, how people are or how they've been building community if you you know previously previously when people build have built community tools they start with like the forum aspect or you know the the content whereas they've started with a gathering an event gathering so they're bringing like they're encouraging people to do events first and through events people will want to stay in touch and then there's like this more permanent community space and i think it's things like that that um hopefully over the next few years will um we'll start to see more tools come out that encourage connection in many different ways. Um, so it's not always a forum. It's not always a Slack or a discord type space. Um, so yeah, for me, for me, that's like, interesting. Um, and perhaps that wouldn't have happened if COVID hadn't happened and if all this kind of money w- w- wasn't flying about. So I think, you know, there's positives. One thing I wanted to go back to was this thing that you said, which is people don't understand the work that goes into making a community. And clearly, talking about all these things, people, there's a lot that you're doing. So it'd be great for you to like just unpick, like what what is it that a community that you do that people and why don't people see it? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Uh, yeah. I think community is it almost touches on every aspect. If it's like a business, it almost touches on every aspect of the business. Um, which people, I think people don't seem to like understand. Um, and there's a phrase that I've started saying is like um, community builds trust, um, which then makes it easier for, for example, marketers to uh, do their work. So if you, if you have that foundation of trust, um, that the community is built, then it becomes easy to sell stuff. It's like, you know, you almost don't need to make the ask, or you just need to make people aware that something exists and people will, you know, you know, sign up for it. And I think it's that, that aspect of trust is like, how do you build trust? It's like, that, that's, that's not like a thing that just happens overnight. It's like continuous, like relationship building, one conversation at a time it's it's understanding what people are talking about it's it's you know about having converse, not just conversations but like conversations that matter uh, it's about remembering people and their names and and who their family are and how how old the kids are and how they're doing um and i i guess like when when you think of community like that that's hard and it's it's emotionally taxing it's it's hard to switch off um i think a lot of community builders probably suffer from that i guess it's like um you know i i I definitely do but you know i kind of i kind of thrive in it but um not not everyone does i guess but it's like you know it's like the flow is constant managing all all the moving pieces 
is, in, I guess, interesting. It's like, you know, trying to make the choice of where do you spend your energy? How, how do you manage stuff? How do you help people? Or how do you coordinate helping people? Um, and, and then if you start to think of like events, well, to me, like events are a community. Um, then, you know, so you almost need to be like an event manager as well. Uh, and then you need to be a marketer because you have to communicate well. Um, and then you also like need to understand growth because it's like, yes, you want to grow your community, but the growth comes in like a very um, community focused way rather than like a traditional business kind of way. So it's like, yeah. And then it's like, you have to like <laughs> depend, you know, I guess it depends like who, who you need to report to if you need to report to anyone, but then you have to like justify your existence. Um, and, you know, that's tough if, if you have to do that, if people don't understand the value of community because so, so much of it is just not, not measurable. And also I think there's something, not only do they might not understand the value of community, but they also might not see the work that goes in to doing that because I said from Sunday assembly, people, I find that people have a really hard time understanding the amount of work that goes into something. And in the same way, there's a, people will sort of think that like the personal cost or the time that someone puts in, you know, it's quite invisible because you don't see, you, someone might see the conversation that someone's having with one person, but they won't see the conversation that they're having with everyone. All those small things. Oh, I only write to them once every two months. Well, the fact is there's this many people and that suddenly becomes an amount of thing. And it's not just one email. It's it's a back and forth. Something blows up in the community. Then it's, it seems to be a nonstop fire hose of conversations. You, If you were in a coach, as I do coaching, and you go and think about a coach, it's like, I speak to you for one hour, you pay me for one hour, and then you don't get in touch with me pretty much. For the rest of the week. But then this is sort of like having that sort of expectation of relationship, like to an almost sales level with so many more people. Like I'm sure you've got people on your sales team who are enterprise salespeople and they've got, they've got a manageable amount of clients because each one of them is bringing in 25 grand, whatever it might be. And yet you're expected to have that level of relationship, maybe even more so because there's a blurring of lines between personal and professional in community and people people don't really see you as obviously you're not really an employee you do community it's it's so interesting the how alien this job is to people i think and 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 it's very very hard and i think that's a sort of as community becomes like recognized as an industry and uh that people will gonna have to really think about a lot more how do people sort of uh help everyone understand and also how to set boundaries like do you have boundaries with your community what are they yeah i mean i guess like i'm yeah i'm trying to think i guess the the orbit community i guess is like the main one that i'm working on there's um obviously there's 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 kind of like unspoken boundaries i guess but um yeah, I mean, we, I guess like we, we've got like the typical uh, code of conduct, that kind of stuff, uh, similar with Ministry of Testing. Um, so, yeah, there's boundaries and so, some of the boundaries are like unspoken, I guess, and people like just know and other other boundaries are just like com- common sense, I think. Um, but I, I, th- I think, you know, I, th- I think this comes to like a thing like like it depends on, on the community you have. So it's like some communities, they just have so, so, so much of this kind of, uh, I guess, lack of boundaries where people go, go off on one and, you know, like you say, it blows up. And, and to me, that's like so stressful. Is that I, I can't, I can't, I, you know, I can't cope with that. But, um, <laughs> and I, I think like, like at Ministry of Testing, like we've rarely had those kind of issues. It's, it's all, you know, so it hasn't been too often. And when we do, it's normally down to like one or two people that like are the root of the, the, the problem. It always um, is. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I just think like when, when we build communities and especially going forward, like as we build communities, I think we, we really need to be 
thoughtful about the people uh, or how we invite people in or who the people are and, you know, not, not feel obliged that the community that you create has to be for everyone. Um, because, because, I mean, like you say, it's, it's, it's tough. And like the more people you let in, the harder it becomes to like build meaningful relationships. Uh, and we're all like obsessed with the numbers. It's like, oh, let's get more people in. Our community would be better if we get more people in. But the reality is actually, if you look at like all all the communities out there, it's usually you know a, a really small number that actually make it what it is. It's like the the core, the the core advocates, I guess, is like. Um, they're the ones that create most of the value and most of the vibes and set 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 the reputation. Um, so I think like just like when we build communities, we you know we, we should build. I guess we should build it with with that with that in mind and um, not feel obliged to always be growing. You know because you know just like the example of the salesperson you gave, it's just like. Um, it, it becomes a vanity thing and it doesn't actually kind of deliver value. And if we think, start to think back about value, it's like, um, why, why grow to have more people when there's actually no connection there? And it becomes like a, this uh, falsehood that you, you start chasing instead of chasing kind of what, what really matters. And then with this, you know, it's sort of going, going back to that, like there's been this, for people who don't know uh, about this, like in the world of venture capital and tech, there's been this flood of money into community. There was also like a lot of talk of community at uh, the start of the social media world, Web 2.0. Like what's the difference between, you know, Facebook, Twitter and those things and the sort of type of uh, money that's going into community nowadays? Have we, have people learned lessons? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I hope they've learned lessons from the likes of Facebook. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely interesting. I feel like there's a lot more players around now. There's a lot more options. There's definitely a lot more options. I think having a lot of options almost makes it harder to to build community because people are everywhere and people are distracted and it's hard to like... Uh, I guess like really create connection. Yeah. And, and like Facebook is like, for me, it's like, you know, please don't go to Facebook. It's basically what I say because it's a, you know, it's a closed wall. They, they, they're not ethical in, in so many ways. Um, but it's hard to get away from them. And, you know, I still have an account there. So maybe I'm hypocritical. Um, but it's a way that I keep in contact with local people who only use Facebook. So it's like, it's frustrating, right? And I use WhatsApp not because I want to, but because there's a few local home ed groups and that are only on WhatsApp. So it's like, um, yeah, <laughs> it's tough to to say no to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for me, it's just like there's there's a lot more players. So I, I hope I hope that doesn't become this like huge dominant factor. And these things, and I think that's probably where things get quite, quite dangerous. It's like, yes, you can have leaders, but w w once it becomes something like Facebook, then that's that's kind of where I, I feel it gets quite. So it's not really community at that point, and they start building stuff for their for their own needs. And is that I, I I feel a bit like biting the hand that fed here is that we. Uh, so I got funding from Facebook uh, at halfway through last year which is very needed because i did a lot of live events <laughs> and so i feel a bit like i'm biting the hand that feeds but i also uh don't want to lie like if you when i go and think about how facebook is organized like that is how you would run a business if you want if you wanted to like create unhealthy communities if you wanted to create division and this line that we wouldn't be able to make enough money if we had if we had moderators, you're like, well, BP don't get to say, oh, well, look, obviously uh, we don't get to make as much money as we want if we uh, obeyed all these anti-pollution guidelines. But yeah, th that's why regulation exists. So people can't do things which are dangerous uh, because it makes more money. And the, 
like the lack of moderation on that platform and the way it is encouraged is absolutely terrifying. And, you know, there are good people working there, you know, really trying to make it work, but I really hope that they win in the end, but it's very hard to see how that goes. Every single time there's a new product launch, like, did you see there? the oh not the ray-ban glasses i thank god everyone's got these new ray-ban glasses which sort of hide the fact that you're recording them the whole time uh how how much do you think ray-ban paid for that or their new version of zoom which is like 3d zoom like virtual zoom i haven't so, seen that oh god yeah because that's what <laughs> that's the thing which was really lacking from the zoom experience <laughs> motion sickness like it's like yeah it is a load of greed looking for a place to apply itself next. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would add just add one more thing to this: like the, the tools that are coming out now, they put people in more control. Um, and I would say, like, if if you sign up for any tool to help people communities, like, make sure you have control over over that, so that uh, it's not like algorithm based. It's like you own the emails. You own the payment details that you know connect to the, the likes of Stripe or something like that, and uh, I, you know I would just recommend looking for those kind of more ethical tech tools and and asking those questions because quite often when you sign up to something you're tied in to it and it gets really hard to move, and you know I'm all for just like using what's out there to help you grow, but at the same time you got to ask the question, how easy is it to move away in the future? It will always be painful to some extent, but yeah, you got, it's, it's such an important thing these days. And um, I, I guess like raising the awareness around that, that is, is super important. And then what would you say the other like ethical considerations are there for someone who is sort of creating an online community? What would be other things to bear in mind? As a builder, I mean, it's like there's there's a standard stuff let's say protect people's data, um, and you know it's like that's that's pretty I guess GDPR kind of standard stuff. Um, for me, ethical is like uh, yes, there's nothing wrong with being profitable, but it's like you know reinvest the money back into the community. Um, there's a big movement around Web3 at the moment. I'm not into it. Like, you know, the crypto, DAOs, DAOs, um, NFTs, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, they're doing interesting things, I think, but I don't really feel qualified to properly talk about them. But, you know, they've got, like, a lot of the right heart heart in mind or the right intentions. Um, and they talk a lot about community ownership and things like that. Um, but at the same time, I'm very, I'm very kind of skeptical of it because um, I, I maintain the opinion that, uh, I mean, lots of people seem to think like community ownership is the key. Oh, um, but, preach, sister, preach. But like, I, I don't believe from experience of running ministry of testing and, and trying to think of ways to um, give people ownership or, you know, spread the, the, the responsibility I don't think pe- most people want that responsibility. No, it's an imaginary problem. Yeah. But when you turn up to the the, the uh, congregation or to the well-being centre, people don't want to have the sorts of conversation about okay, where are we getting our heating from? What supplier do we have to have? Uh, they have got different needs to the person who's running the community, who will have. A, a totally different viewpoint and also i would say a right to make those decisions because it is an embodied expression of you know what you do and so yeah the community aren't always gonna go and want the things which are right for the organization i've spoken to people who've been running venues which have sort of like really had community capture there is a funny thing in uh there's a term in uh which I heard David Fuller at Rebel Wisdom, a really interesting uh, video channel on YouTube, refer to audience capture, where a creator ends up having to dance to the dance to the tune of their audience, and they can't, you know, they can't say things, they can't express themselves, and you know that becomes an issue. So, 
Yeah. So what other uh, ethical good uh, people, sometimes I think people who listen to my podcast will think I'm raving sort of uh, uh, dictator with my uh, yammering on about this, but I, it, it's such a misconception, I think. I think so. And I think like, I think like with Web3, it's like there's, there's a lot of good intentions there. And there's a lot of, I, this idea, I, I think the issue is that communities traditionally, uh, at least like from my experience, most communities these days, they don't give back enough to their members. Mm. So like Web3 has kind of come up saying, well, it's about ownership and we, you know, we're focused on rewards as well. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. But like, you can do all of this, all of this stuff in the real world as well. You can reward people. You can hire people. You can employ people. If if you have like a sustainable community, um, it's the same thing. But you don't like have to give away ownership. You could if you wanted to. I did. I did with Ministry of Testing. Mm. I I hired a CEO, and as part of that, he got he got ownership. But that doesn't mean like the whole community gets ownership. It's like he gets ownership because like he's he's committed to it and I want him to be committed to it because uh, yeah. if he wasn't, then I would have to like take, find someone to take on the role or, or take on the role again myself or something like that. But um, yeah, pay people. And, and, and I think this is like... Pay people um, well as well. Pay people well. Because you've early, described... And, and treat the, people well. Because you know, you've described I, the job that someone has to do. It's, it's like seven jobs. And it's, you know, and, and it's constant and it's never ending and communities have to change constantly. I mean, we've, we've seen this with COVID, you know, as an extreme example, but uh, I think, you know, it's been really tough on some communities and traditionally, like, communities have not been sustainable because they find it hard to charge money. Um, and, you know, I look at Ministry of Testing and it's done well, but it's not been easy. You know, it's been a tough journey to get to profitability and then surviving. Um, but I, I guess, like, when we think of community, um, I feel like a society, we, we need to learn to, to appreciate it more. Um, as, you know, as members, I think members need to appreciate community more. They don't appreciate it. They, you know, people come in, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, just like, not understanding what goes into building community and the value that they can get. And um, if they make a friend or a few friends from a community, they, you know, they don't really understand like, the years of effort that has gone into that to enable those connections. Um, well, the fact is that people have, like, they see that as, well, the benefit I get from it is this friendship with these two people. And you're like going, oh, well, in order to get those two people to be in that position where you can make a friend, all this other stuff had to go on around. And it is, uh, you know, for some reason I've got this idea and it's not great. Again, another thing which I'm going to say, which could be played back in a bad way. But imagine if you had a farm or a safari park and one cheetah comes into the safari park and make friends with two other cheetahs and outside in the real world he didn't know any cheetahs but actually you know what here he's done it and well that's his friends he's like no mate look at the safari park it doesn't just happen and uh i'm not saying that i see community members as animals that's the important thing in that analogy uh yeah there's an interesting thing from church where and i heard this from a minister which is how he explained tithing was look at your bank statement to see where you make space for, and he said God, like, because God is by definition, the thing with like, it's the thing which you agree is the most important thing in your life. You know, and this could be like, I'm sure you have a ton of people who say that this community is one of the most important things in your life or people saying, I get no community. Look at your bank statement and just see whether you spend more on Uber Eats or your local community. And then wonder why you're not part of a community. I, I could take I could take uh, the that idea back to homeschooling as well. It's like um, we don't spend. I mean, we spend some stuff on like classes or or, or sessions that they do, um, and often we're tempted to like send them to like uh, you, you know like private school or something like that. And we look at the cost, but then um, instead of like hiring people to look after them we, we do swaps or 
you know, stuff like that. And it's a huge time saver, but it's, it's also like a huge money saver. And that that's community as well. It's like over time you get to meet people that you trust and you find, you know, you find people that where your kids get along. So we're constantly like swapping or hanging out at each other's house. And um, that's, that's how we get by. And um, I guess like the uh, traditional society would say, well, you, you should be hiring someone or paying a childminder or paying a teacher to, you know, be doing that. And, in the UK, like they have rules around childminding. It's like you're not allowed to accept money to, to look after kids under the age of eight for more than two hours a day kind of thing. Um, so there's actually like laws that make these kind of things like really difficult. Um, so, but it's like, you know, those kind of things, it's like community, uh, if you have community around you, you can save so much money because you can lean on other people and you're helping people out in so many ways. Um, so, so that you you wouldn't have to pay, but yet at the same time, when communities you know ask for help, so many people don't don't help, you know. So it's I think you know communities are in a real tough position, um, and you know I actively pay for quite a few communities that I don't really participate in that much, but I keep paying because I just want them to continue to survive and thrive because I think they're doing good things. Um, and I get that not everyone can do that, but, um, you know, it's little bits of money here and there and it does add up. Um, but I, th- I think it's, it's a good mindset. It's a good way to live. It's like supporting other people do, trying to do good things. Um, and I wish, I wish we could do more of it. I wish we could do more locally as well. I think if we could do more locally like that, that, you know, it could, it could be amazing. Hey, well, look, we've come full circle in a way that is really beautiful. Uh, Rosie, where can people go and find you online? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, like, every day, <laughs> uh, at Rosie Sherry. Um, I write about community stuff at rosie.land. And, yeah, I guess my work stuff is orbit.love, so I hang out there. How was that for you? Yeah, I really like Rosie. She's got that sort of deadpan vibe which is not my vibe i'm uh, i'm live pan that's me i'm uh, i'm funky pan i'm tomaza pan i'm tim panny there's a, if there's all the different te- pans i'm certainly not deadpan and uh, but behind it there's a lot of cheek there's a lot of knowledge uh, and it was a wonderful conversation today it's been a yeah a bit of a mixed day for me because uh, like just yesterday, some Norm Macdonald died. So you know, the life on this podcast is really about celebrating life, about realizing how precious it is to be there. And there are artists who keep you company along the way, who light up the path, who turn sad days into better days, who like enable you to laugh at the pain. And Norm Macdonald was a comedian that I have just grown to love and idolize really in the past four or five years knew he was around sort of like nibbled on the edges of him almost as a byproduct of being into stand up. I got into him and I just inhaled uh, his comedy, his various different podcasts, guest show appearances. And what was quite funny is that just this morning as I was taking Ragnar into nursery, we do our thank yous on the way into nursery. Who do you want to say thank you for today, Ragnar? Uh, Ragnar says thank you for him. Daddy. Yeah, we say thank you, Daddy. And then today I asked uh, Ragnar what he wanted to say thank you for, and he said, life. I was like, yeah, the brainwashing has worked. But yeah, on these days when a light goes out, it always does make you a bit reflective, grateful. And looking out over a sort of watercolour sky in London, like mauves and pinks and limpid whites, that it's a little bit of a reflective mood. And so I really hoped you liked that podcast. There's the Lifefulness community. You can find out more in the details. Go to lifefulness.io. And 
Thanks to Rosie. Thanks to my co-host James, who wasn't able to make it today. Thanks to the producer Mav Shetty. Thanks to Norm MacDonald. And thanks to Roman Rapak and Miro Schott, who produced the music you're listening to right now. <laughs>